And welcome in, everybody. It is time for your last-minute fantasy adjustments because those of you who have waited till the week of... Man, I can't believe you were able to wait this long. I I, I can't do it. Uh, I'm Brady Tinker along with Jeff Thidoff, and this is our inaugural show to get you ready for your fantasy draft this week. Some of you may be actually going right up until game time on Sunday, uh, eschewing the Thursday night games. I don't know. I, I, you know, my tip my hat to you. Basically, I've done 12 of these already, Jeff, and and I couldn't have waited this long. I, I've done 35. Oh, okay. N- not all my teams. I, I draft for the site, this, this proxy site that people sometimes want to uh, have someone else draft their team. If they don't know that much about fantasy football, if they're going to be right. out of town or something like that. So yeah, I've got 35 done. I think I've got four more today and four more tomorrow. You make a little I, cash off that? Yes. Oh yeah. So yeah, right. yeah, off that. Yeah, um, right. it's. But I'm look. The longer you wait, the better, right? Like that's the key to a lot of the stuff is yeah, wait absolutely. until cuts yeah. are made, injuries, all the contracts signed. Wait as long as you can. But I know that when you're doing it with your buddies, sometimes you can't wait till Wednesday or Thursday to do it. Information is the key. As much information as you can possibly get. The other key. Would you agree? For those who are not veterans at this, is ultimately make sure you have fun. So yes. if you if if you're a Chiefs fan, get a couple of Chiefs, right? Yes. Uh, make this fun. Uh, be able to show it to your kids or your daughter or your dog or whatever. Show your wife. Tell her what you're doing. She may not give a damn, but show right. her anyway, right? And and make sure that this ends up being fun. That you got have guys that you can root for. My my high dollar league just we did just the other night. We got down to around 15, and my partner was like, "We don't have a chief. We don't have a chief." And I'm like, right. "Relax. We'll get Butker. <laughs> we'll draft him around early to yes. make sure that we've got Chiefs a kicker." Defense, whatever. That's yes. what we did, and yeah. and so he felt lots better. But uh, anyway, it is important to make sure you have fun. The other thing that that we start off the show with is, you know, before the draft, get your mind right and get your plan ready. And so you and I may have different methods of how we go about this, but. As I began to work through this thing a month or two ago, and you start to begin to look at schedules and see what teams you think are strong and who sort of might have an agenda, you know, I think maybe the Ravens with all they went through in my mind are a team that's sort of loaded for bear this year. And and so I'm looking at some of those things. And then you watch and you watch and you watch injuries and tendencies. And the, the thing for me that stood out, I'll go ahead and get my mind right and my plan ready. My plan involves getting two of the top 14 running backs. And I haven't really been in that mode for a long time because there was so much talent at depth at wide receiver. But it's kind of because of that that I went that way this year. It, it makes a lot of sense. And when you um, when you do that, yeah, if you go into that mode like this, you got to look at – I almost go backwards, Brady, when, I, when I'm doing my drafts. Before the season starts, I'll go through and I'll – I'll make my own like predictions about where I think teams will finish. Right. You know, will, will, if the Ravens, like you mentioned the Ravens, if, Ravens, if I think the Ravens are going to be 12 and five this year, that means they're going to be ahead in a lot of games and they're going to continue to run the ball successfully. And so right. that makes me put someone like Lamar Jackson a little bit higher, maybe, or a JK Dobbins. And if I look at a team and think this team's going to be two and 15 or three and 14, like the Seahawks, I might think this team's not going to be able to run the ball as well. So I adjust my rankings that way. So I almost go backwards like that. Um, but yes, it, it especially now I think, and there's people that talk about the zero running back theory. But I'm with you. The two of the top fourteen, absolutely. Look at where you're drafting, and try to grab two of the top. Do as many mock drafts as you can that are legitimate. But yes, two of the top fourteen is critical. I think this year because with the running back game the way it works, if you can get a couple of guys that will get 
60 to 75% of the carries, you're confident, or sorry, touches, 60 to 75% of the touches, that's a huge advantage if you can get two of those guys early on, and you're right, the receivers are deep. You can get value at receiver and quarterback much later. As much as we want you to have fun, the truth is people who do this for a living are completely aware and dependent upon in their final decision-making touches, opportunities, touches, offensive systems. I'm not certain that C.D. Lamb in Dallas is a 1A wide receiver, but I am damn well certain of this. Probably between 150 and 180 passes are going his way. Now, you have to assume health with everything else, right? And you have to assume Dak's going to be fine, and that's the number one receiver. And if you know those numbers at all, there were only two guys that had that many uh, balls thrown their way last year, uh, roughly around 190. And then it tends to drop off down to that 150, 140 range. Still very viable guys. Guys that you can almost, at, at that level, you can almost count on 80 to 100 catches, 1,000 yards, and, and pencil in eight touchdowns just because. Yeah. And so for me, C.D. Lamb ends up in the first round because of the Dallas Cowboys predicament. Michael Gallup probably ready for week three. Uh, Mari Cooper is gone, uh, and there are issues with this offensive line overall. Are they going to be able to pass enough? How quickly must the ball come out, et cetera, et cetera. But those are the kinds of things that you have to decide how you're going to run your draft and how you're going to make your decisions. And, and I don't say that you take emotion out of it because I do want everybody to have fun, but you do have to have a plan. And so yeah. as Jeff and I just talked about, For me, two of the first 14 running backs I'm getting, I'm going running back, running back in rounds one and two. The only reason that might not happen is if I drafted maybe first or second. And by some means, when it gets back to me at whatever that is, 30 or whatever, those top 14, the second half of that top 14 isn't there. Yeah, I have found that first is a great spot to be in because Jonathan Taylor's your guy. You'll take him number one. Beyond, um, Beyond that, when you go to two, three, four, and beyond that, like then there's some question in there about who do you want two, three, or four, because there's, there's always con- there's concerns about McCaffrey, yeah. you know, uh, Eckler, will he get the same volume? Can he stand up? Can he hold up with that, with all the weapons mm-hmm. they have out there? You know, is he the three Derek Henry? I've, I've spoken at length on many podcasts about how I don't like Derek Henry this year because of the touches all kinds of guys in that two, three, four, five range. If I'm not picking one, honestly, I'd rather pick six or seven. Yeah. And, and I'm with you. And the truth is, those guys you just mentioned are all in my top 14 because they have to be. Because remember, I don't have to pick them, but right. someone's Somebody going else. to pick them, right? Someone else is going to pick them. So I'm with you. I McCaffrey, I've watched McCaffrey get picked first here in the last week and a half quite a bit. And I can't do it. But there's that teetering thing of, well, if McCaffrey's McCaffrey and plays 16 games, let's say, and you picked him first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever you picked him, you're going to make the playoffs. You're going to have a really good season. There there is just no doubt about that. I hate the gambling nature of that, of he played seven games last year and three games the year before, and running back, especially as a young man's position, it's an ass whipping. There's the reason these guys get hurt. You know, Derrick Henry's injury to his foot, even though he came back and played, I guess, in the playoffs. I can't really remember at the end of the year. He didn't look quite the same. And the number of carries put on that giant man's body in the last four years is friggin' amazing. I mean, the reason Zeke isn't as good, why isn't Zeke Zeke? He's beat up. He got 340 touches his rookie year. Tony Pollard, who subs in for Zeke, still doesn't have that many touches in his entire four years of his rookie career. The yard carry. Zeke has gone down every year since his rookie year. 
And I, I think I said this before when we were on the Drunk Sport podcast together, Brady, but like, you know, when you when you sign a running back to a second contract, you are never, ever signing him for what he's going to do. You sign him done. for what he's done. No doubt. Quarterbacks are different. Wide receivers are different. So even though Zeke got that monster contract, there's no way Zeke lives up to that contract. They no. paid Zeke because of what he did. They pay, they're paying Derrick Henry because of what he did. Zeke and Derrick Henry both on the way down. Doesn't mean you can't get them at good value. At some point when you're drafting, I say, you know what? They fell this far. I got to take them. Yeah. But I don't like, personally, I don't want to have stock in Zeke or Derrick Henry or CMC. Give me a younger guy. Absolutely. I want everyone else to take him. Yeah. So, but but it was easy for us to set up our top 14 because even though you and I weren't drafting those guys, every, everyone else is. Someone's yes. taking care of that for us. So uh, at, at five the other day, day, I really stuck on, dude, I want the young Pittsburgh running back. And I, oh, the, only here, reason, yeah. the only reason I didn't select Najee is that league that I was in paid off heavily for long runs and long touchdowns. And right. so I was like, well, then that's Cook for me or sure. right, or Kamara or some other guys who tend to break loose, who get in one-on-one situations in the secondary and who go to the house. So that was how I weighed it. Now you can say Cook's been an injury issue too. The last couple of years, not as much. Uh, right. And I'm, you know, at some point you have to trust someone. <laughs> Sometimes I get with my partners and they're like, I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. And I'm like, do you realize you hate everybody? Him? There's no one we can pick. It's We're literally just going to auto pick, right? We'll we'll follow the chalk and whatever they give us, we'll yeah. adjust from there. Uh, because right. you will have that, and and fans don't, and and fantasy players don't don't get too locked on that. Don't get too locked on he screwed me last year, so I ain't picking him this year. Most of the time, it ends up the reverse, right? You're slow to be smart, uh, and things work out the opposite way. Uh, other than other than that, for me, getting my plan ready. There is an amazing depth at wide receiver, Jeff. I think we both agree with this. Well into round 11 or 12, right? And then when you throw in a rookie crop of wide receivers, it's hard to pencil in definitely. But I've got 10 or 12 rookie wide receivers, and we now know that works every year, at least to the tune of one, two, or three guys who come up really big. There's there's 60 wide receivers I will happily take in oh, this man. draft and that can push me into round 11 so that's why the running backs first for me wide receivers if i don't end up with Devonte adams because he went round one and cd lamb because he went in round one i'm gonna be fine I, um, I just, I, with those running backs if you if you go the running back route you're talking about the two running yeah. backs you can absolutely absorb there is a lot bigger drop off from the from your top two running backs say top 14 there's a yep. huge drop off from that 14 to the next. The 14 top 14 wide receivers to the next, you can get great value. I'm with you on that. I mean, wide receivers, so incredible. No, no doubt. And you know, tight end was a hot position the last four or five years. There were four or five tight ends that were showing out that were getting wide receiver top 20 to 25 numbers. And I, and I really wanted one of them this year. As much as I believe Travis Kelsey hasn't slowed down, and he is the best wide receiver in football, uh, and Andrews of Baltimore, I feel good about those two. If you want to choose those two guys in the first, well, probably going to be two rounds for Kelsey and probably going to be by round three for Andrews, I'm fine with that. Past that, I'm dumping all the way down probably into round eight or nine before I look at a tight end again. I mean... Russell Wilson throws to the tight end. There's a tight end in Denver that I understand is athletic and he's got 41 vowels. I'll wait till round nine to pick that guy. Uh, you know, and I like Dalton Knox, who seems to be sort of brushed aside in an offense where he and his quarterback are best friends. Again, round probably eight, right? So sure. I'm okay with living whatever tight end brings me there. I'm going to make my hay in running backs and wide receivers. Yeah, with the tight end thing, you're right. After the first two, and I'm not typically somebody who, um, 
likes to, I, I typically, I do not grab a tight end early. I am always a guy who waits on that. And sometimes what I will do is if, if it, for instance, let's say I do wait long on a quarterback and take Josh Allen, and then Dawson Knox was more attractive to me because of the stack possibility there. Mm-hmm. I'll mm-hmm. look at that sometimes too. If I get Russell Wilson, I'll take the Ogumanajawawawa, whatever his name mm-hmm. is, the tight end throw with all the battles. I might take him also. I would let that break the tie. But yes, the tight end thing, if you're not going to get Kelsey and you're not going to get Andrews, which I'm not going to get, I promise you, and all these 35 drafts I've told you I've done, I have not taken Kelsey or Andrews in any one of those just because they got valued too high for me to where I thought, you know what, I'll take Fryermuth later. I'll take Knox later. I'll take Cole Komet later. I'll right. take one of those kinds of guys later on, and the gap is not as wide as other positions. Agreed. And I'm always looking now, like everybody else is, at the tight end position for the next Kelsey, which is silly yeah. because that's 6'5", 265 yeah. pounds, and he runs away from safeties down the middle of the field. There probably ain't another Kelsey coming for a while. But Hawkinson's intriguing. You know, some of these yeah. athletic guys uh, that are long, and while Detroit's going to be bad, you can have that hole, yep, and they're going to be throwing yep. a lot, you know. Uh, but anyway, okay, so, and last but not least, I'm not dead set, as I even head into this last draft, on what I'm doing at quarterback. If Allen falls late second to me, maybe I chose first or second and I can get him late second right. or flip on the flip coming back in early in round three, I may do that. I also have a feeling that Mahomes is probably going to be MVP this year and everybody's choosing Josh Allen. I'm choosing Mahomes. I think that he set that bar in that in that championship season with you know, 50 touchdowns and 5,500 yards or whatever. And then everyone sort of looked at him and said, well, it hasn't been all that good the last couple of years. Well, he really has been amazing. But I think that he feels that too. And he's got something to prove with Tyreek gone. So Mahomes is right there for me with Josh Allen in a late second, early third situation where I'd say, you know what? I I really just believe that those are – 19 to 30 points every single week. And there is an advantage there over trying to figure out, you know, whether the Minnesota quarterback or or Derek Carr are going to have a good week this week and pick and choose it. But I'm okay with either one of those things. I'm also okay when I look up in round eight, I'm like, well, I'm going to go back to back here in a minute, right? In round nine and 10, I'm going to go back to back and I'll pick and choose between Carr and Aaron Rodgers in round nine and 10. And I'll be okay with that too. Right. Yeah. With with the uh, I think there's a big three with Allen, Mahomes, and even just, like I love Justin Herbert this year. I think those three right there separate from the rest of the bunch. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned you know Cousins. You mentioned Carr. I have found that in a lot of the drafts I'm waiting so long that I'll take Carr or Cousins or sometimes both, and I'm okay with that. Right. Like people draft Rodgers because of his name. Rodgers may have an MVP season in the NFL, but it doesn't mean he's an MVP fantasy guy. Rodgers probably. At, on the low end of a top 10 kind of thing. You know, people will draft Rodgers too early. They'll draft Brady too early. Mm-hmm. I, and I I, I like encourage, and I'm excited when people draft quarterbacks too early, especially in standard leagues where it's four points for a passing touchdown. Mm-hmm. I, As much as I love Allen Mahomes, like it's got to be great value for me to get them. Otherwise, I look, I think Carr has a career year. I think Cousins has a career year this year. And yep. so I like getting both of those guys much, much later. I'd much rather have a better first or second receiver or second or third running back than I would rather ha- than, than have one of those top quarterbacks. 
Okay, for beginners too, let's go through a few more things. Know your rules. If it's yes. a six-point passing touchdown for quarterbacks, quarterbacks get vaulted up into the top five of your draft, as they should. Six yep. for a, a touchdown as opposed to the traditional either three or four is a big difference. It's it's a 100-point difference or more per a player. So six-point passing TDs, yes. One or one-half-point PPR or no PPR. Big deal because Naheem Hines is a viable player in a one point and even a half point PPR. He's not a viable player where there's no PPR. He's just not going to get enough touches. So all of those things are a big deal. Does your league pay off? And I recommend if, if you're still setting your rules, if it doesn't pay off for long TDs, that it should. It makes it so much fun when you've got um, um, the Minnesota running back cook and he breaks off for a 55-yard run, and I'm like, okay, that's six for the touchdown. That's a bonus of five for a run over 50 yards, and all right. of a sudden you're looking at 15 right there in one play. It's exhilarating, uh, and, it, and it makes it a lot of fun, and it also adds to you know your thought process of who your draft went. I was telling you, there were, I, I passed on Najee Harris because I'm in this league that pays off for longer plays, and while I love Najee Harris's 400 touches that are probably coming, right, right. and almost guaranteed 10 touchdowns, they're all at four yards at a time. Yeah. Uh, so I slowed down on him. But but in your league, based on your rules, certain players are going to be better and you need to make sure you know those rules. You can totally take advantage uh, in a league because sometimes you have casual players that don't pay attention to the rules. Uh, and Brady, in addition, to like the six point passing touchdowns, a lot of leagues now have super flex where you start two quarterbacks. You can right. start two. You can start a quarterback as a flex. And when you have that situation with the six point passing touchdown, yeah. It totally changes the game for you. Absolutely. And you want to grab quarterbacks early. Um, I was in one I did the other day where I had uh, Mahomes and Herbert are the two quarterbacks I took because the other guys either didn't know or disregarded what the rules were. And I was able to draft both those guys in a, in a super flex league. Brady, I was in the league uh, I drafted last night for somebody um, that was seven points for every touchdown, pass, run, reception, whatever, mm. plus a point and a half PPR. Wow. Which is wow. And like 0.3 points per. Um, completion and all these other different rules. And that was a completely uh, individual defensive player. They started mm -hmm. um, a buddy of mine does a league Brady, where you draft a full 11 man defense. You have to wow. draft a full defense. You have to decide I'm playing a three, four or a four, three. And so, and know all the scoring, every league is going to be a little bit different. Yes. You have to know your rules and look, if you're playing for fun on a Yahoo league or whatever, and you don't care too much. That's one thing. But if you really want to win this league, which is what's fun about these things, and be competitive, know your rules better than your commissioner does, or be the commissioner. But Absolutely. know your rules that well, though. And don't just look at, oh, these are the rankings. No, those rankings apply to a certain scoring format. Your league might have a different wrinkle. And like you said, a full point or half point or no PPR changes things drastically. Six-point touchdown passes, five, four, three, changes things dramatically it's a huge difference so and keep, and keep this this that you wrote down that steve and john and bob and whoever took so and so keep it from year to year because you know what steve will always select keenan allen and he might do it too early and those tendencies are things that you want to know you can be looking at your draft and you'll say between me and picking is steve dan and bob i know who steve dan and bob are choosing Right. So you can then then all of a sudden your mind can relax about the pick that's coming to you. Those things are so important. People do choose the same players, whether it's their hometown players, whether it's somebody who's been good to them. That's yeah. very typical. Oh, I always win with Keenan Allen. I made the playoffs every year with Keenan Allen. Okay. Then then you're choosing Keenan Allen. Uh, and 
it is typical. Let's let's do uh, another great tip, and we'll present this one by BetUS.com. By the way, this whole show is presented by BetUS.com. Bet with a three-decade leader, BetUS. Now for a 125% bonus using promo code DSP125 or a 200% bonus with crypto using promo code DSP200. And bet sports, casino, horses, pop culture, and more at BetUS.com. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. So they represent item number three. Jeff, for me, sleepers and value picks are not the same. Don't get stuck too much on this, but do understand the difference. Christian Watson at this point in Green Bay for me is a potential sleeper. He was a first-round pick. He's got a Hall of Fame quarterback who can hit you know, the eye of a bug 40 yards away. And so Christian Walker, you or Christian Watson, you haven't seen him much. He hasn't played much. They didn't use whatever it was, the 15th or 18th pick in the first round to get this big, long, lanky wide receiver to not have Rodgers throw him the football. Now, Dubs or Dubes or whoever is the kid you've been hearing about, uh, Romeo Dubes, I'm in on him as well. But Christian Watson at this point will have value to me when he reaches round 12, 13, and no one's picked him because I haven't seen him. So F him. I'm not picking him. There's a value to first round wide receivers. We've seen it in this league, especially in the last five or six years. Guys can come out of high big time college programs, step in with a big time quarterback and have big time years that can win you leagues. So for me, Christian Watson's a val or is is a true value later in the draft. A sleeper is maybe more like a guy like Isaiah McKenzie, who if you look at his numbers, he's got in he's got a thousand yards, right? And he's got 12 touchdowns and you're like that was a pretty good year well that's in five years because mostly he returns kicks and punts but his yards per catch and carry and can't you see that quarterback like he did with Gabriel Davis who we'll talk about later maybe going too high at this point because he torched the Chiefs uh, and almost won that game single-handedly in the playoffs Gabriel Davis fits that but Isaiah McKenzie is going to get more touches Cole Beasley's gone McKenzie's comfortable in the slot he's very fast they love the old Tyreek Hill stand up and throw it to you right at the line of scrimmage or the the end arounds or or touches like that Isaiah McKenzie could be a guy that could be a true sleeper again later on in the draft you know Braden you look at it too like we talk about I talk about going backwards if you can look at say we'll talk about the Packers first if you say okay Aaron Rodgers is going to complete this many passes right he'll complete X amount whatever the number you think it is you can go through and you can look at his past performance, look at where you think the Packers will be this year, and say, okay, realistically, Rodgers completes this many passes. Okay, you got that number. Who's he throwing to? He's not going to throw 200 times to Sammy Watkins. So mm-hmm. look at each guy, and then you can say, you know what? Watson's going to get this pie chart share of those picks, of those catches, and maybe that's why he has value there. Same thing with the Bills you talked about. Josh Allen, he will complete this many passes. And so – Who's going to get them? Well, Diggs will get some. Mm-hmm. Davis gets some. Mm-hmm. McKenzie gets some. You look at it that way, too, and say, okay, now there's the value. If you look at it that way, you can find the sleepers more easily um, and, and the value picks. One of the guys that I've been value picking, I guess I would say in this, <clears throat> throughout my drafts a lot, and this also depends on your confidence level. And let me put it this way. If you are somebody, it, do an honest assessment of yourself, if you are somebody who makes the playoffs every year, okay, you say, you know what? Every year I'm in the playoffs in this league with my buddies. I'm always in the playoffs or in the mix. I'm never, I'm never going to be in the last or second to last. I'm always right. going to be in the mix. Then you draft for the playoffs. If you're somebody who's like, you know what? I never make money. I need to win right now. You draft differently. 
in most of the leagues I draft, I have been stealing, stealing DeAndre Hopkins. Okay, Hopkins suspended for the first six games of the season. Yep. After that, he's probably a number one receiver for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. And so I've been grabbing him and saying, you know what, I'll play this other guy the first five or six weeks. Then I'll put Hopkins in there with my studs and watch me go. And I don't care about DeAndre Hopkins getting zero, 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 zero the first six weeks. I care about what Hopkins will do in weeks 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 when I'm trying to win a league. So, especially, if, especially when you picked him in round nine. Right. Or, or round yeah. 10 or whatever. Absolutely. He's your number four receiver. It's a steal. You can also think easy. through this because – and, and you can make a case. Arizona started out last year in the first seven or eight weeks of the season. They were the best team in football. They were seven oh, yeah. Right. They were efficient. They were doing everything right. Hopkins gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyler loses his interest a little bit. You can almost see it flipping in the reverse this year that yeah. they start slow, that Arizona is two and four when Hopkins gets back. And Kyler's button will be pushed because Kyler got this money, yet it embarrassed him a little bit when he got this money because. Sure. He told they told everybody, well, he tends to lose focus and, and, and look at what pictures on his phone and play right. video games while he's supposed to be watching, you know, tape and, and he's a little lazy. But that's all right. We're still going to give him $230 million, but we have questions about him as a person. All sure. of that stuff eventually is going to come to a head because I watched Kyler Murray here as a child. And I watched him through junior high and high school. And he's got that it factor in so many ways. And the most important one is he's extraordinarily competitive. Sure. And in the end, he always thinks he's going to beat you, which is what's hurt him to this point. The reason he hasn't been better is he always wins. Why aren't I winning? Well, last year was really the first year they begin to win. And then they struggled in the playoffs. And he struggled from that yep. task a little bit. But he will continue to emotionally grow up. And so I can see just a perfect scenario where he gets – used to Marquise Brown again, right, that he was with in college. And then D-Hop comes back. And then they've got the tight end running down the middle as long as Ertz is healthy. And that second-half Arizona team could make a hell of an offensive push for your fantasy team. And that's why I love Hopkins. And that's why it's like, if he's my number four receiver, I'm ecstatic. Yep. I am ecstatic if he's number four. And I'm, Because people will tend to look at just like, oh, they'll, they'll sort things by the rankings. They'll right. hit, you know, the rank, and they'll look at it. And they'll say, oh, this guy's like 103. I'm not taking him. No, I'll take him at 85 and be ecstatic about that. And I've loved taking the outer Hopkins. Um, and when you try to like forecast things, and I'm not saying that Kenny Pickett is in this range, but if you're in a, like a, a bigger league, mm. and it's a two quarterback, whatever you're looking at, like, you know, who's my number three quarterback, Kenny Pickett's going to start for Pittsburgh at some point, forecast that out. And yep. so, okay, if Kenny Pickett starts, is he a good number three to have weeks in, in weeks, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, if I need some kind of depth, if I'm drafting for after week nine, I'd rather have Pickett than Trubisky as yep. my number three quarterback. So I think he'll end up being the starter and be decent. Not elite, not Mahomes. I think he'll be decent. And so just things like that you have to look at, decide, you know, try to try to play it out in your mind. How is this season going to go? And no doubt, another wrinkle for you if you are still massaging your rules to the last yeah. minute, throw in a keeper or two. Yeah. And it also that's where a picket came in for me. When do I want picket? Because I have a feeling picket get here in the second half of the season. I might love having picket as a round 15 pick this year that ends up being the starter on a pretty darn good Pittsburgh team next year. And I get to keep him with a round 15 sacrifice. Those are the kinds of things like for this year, for me, it was Dalton Schultz, Dalton Schultz in round 19. We're at 20 rounds. Yeah. I mean, Dalton Schultz is a top four or five tight end, and I, I've used a round 19 pick. How many times do you get something out of round 19 or 20 that isn't a kicker or a defense? Right. Rarely. 
Yeah. So I love keeper ideas too. And it shapes your league and it shapes trades. All right, let's move forward finally with some picks. Okay. Level A players for me. For me, there are 24 level A players. This is this is 1A and 1B. And is that right? 1A, 1B, and 2A and 2B. There are okay. 24 of those players, which means most of us are in 12 team leagues, which means you can get two of them. You're sure. through the first two rounds, yeah, and you've got two of the top 24 players. Don't fuck that up. D don't. Don't don't have this dream that you woke up last night and Chris Olave is going to go crazy and you're going to win your league because you drafted Chris Olave. That may be the case, but not if you draft him in round two. Stick with your plan. That's why we do that. So that's why you have level A players and B players and C players. That's why you track how many times they're going to get opportunities. That's why you track their offenses and the schedules and everything else. Do not do not go crazy in the first four rounds picking someone that you know, you know in your heart of hearts you can get in round seven or eight. Don't do it. So I got 24 players. I don't know if we want to list all these. Maybe we should have done this. We might come back and, and put in actually graphics for you. But for uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, and Travis Kelsey gets me through 1A and 1B. You okay with that list? I'm okay with that list, yes. And but but same token, look, I I typically and depending on the rules again, yeah. but I don't like taking a receiver in round one with I'd rather have somebody else take a receiver. Let me take a running back in round one. Uh Taylor for sure, number one, no yeah. doubt about it. That like number one, that's who you got. I don't care if it's PPR or not PPR, as long as you know that's the guy I'm taking one. I've been getting great value on Mixon. Yep. Um, on Cook, Kamar, guys like that, I would much rather, as much as, look, in PPR leagues, Jefferson, Chase, those guys are absolutely smart picks. Yeah. But I'm going to take running back. Me and too. To, to tag on to your point there, you're not going to win your league in round one, but you can lose it in yeah, round well one. Can round lose two. it. Yes, you I agree. You cannot win it there. You're going to win it later on when we talk about these sleepers. Right. That's when you win it. But you can lose it if you take the wrong guy, which is why I was staying away from CMC and Henry and guys like that. That was sort of my presumptive how these 12 picks would go, right. not really how I'm going to choose how it because you, you and yes. I are on the same page. I'm, I'm picking two running backs in the first two rounds. Uh, right. Level 2A and 2B as we stay here at uh, level A, uh, Alvin Kamara, uh, DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Swift, Aaron Jones, Debo Samuel, Stefan Diggs, Tyreek Hill, Javante Williams, who I'm I'm high on, yep. Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, C.D. Lamb, A.J. Brown, and Mark Andrews takes me through our first level of players that we showed you. Yeah, and I like I'll be getting good. I love if I can walk away with Mixon and Kamara, Mixon and Swift. I'm perfectly happy with that if that's how the draft falls. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I don't want to walk away with like uh, CMC and uh, say Aaron Jones. I don't want to do something like that. I'd right. much rather not do that. There's questions. Aaron Jones, look, great talent, but they do have A.J. Dillon there who's got value and a lot of different mouths to feed throughout that. Saquon yep. Barkley, I'd like Saquon at the right number. I'm not going to take him to start off round two, no. but end of round two, early round three, if Barkley's still there, I'm more interested at that point. Again, remember with, with Jeff and I, we're so similar on the same page at this point. There's a lot of guys in here that we're putting in here because this is where we believe they're going to fall. Yeah. They're not guys that we're going to choose. I, yeah. I'm I'm with you. Uh, I think at five, we actually selected Cook at five. Uh, and part of that was because of our rules for long plays. Yep. Uh, and I actually kind of like that offense this year. I think they're going to pass a little bit more, which doesn't hurt Cook at all. He's wonderful yeah. in the open field with swing passes. Uh, and then I think we came back and took 
gosh, who was it in, in round two? Javante Williams. So we ended up with Cook and Javante Williams. I was fine with that. With the off- with the change that the coaches have in Minnesota, they're more offensive-minded now versus defensive-minded. Yeah, defensive-minded, which helps everybody point. on the offensive side. Cook, even like an Irv Smith, the tight ends we talked about earlier. It helps guys like that when you talk about the Minnesota Vikings offense. Level B players, and this works out perfect for me. There are 24 of these. So here we go again. Level A, 24 players. There's no doubt your team can get two of them. Level yep. B, same thing. We're going into round three and round four. 24 players. You're going to get two of them. Relax. If it's not the exact guy, you it happens to all of us. You're sitting there and you're like, this is great. I'm, I'm going to get... I'm going to get David Montgomery. I really want David Montgomery and, and late in round four. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. He's gone. You're like, right in the nuts. I really wanted David Montgomery. Relax yeah. and stay with this list that you have, okay? So level uh, two includes Josh Allen. I'm probably not choosing him, but we talked oh, about it. Yeah, I, might, yeah, yeah. I might choose him at 3A. I'll tell right. you that. Uh, James Conner. Uh, there has to be some regression with touchdowns there. And James Conner, while he has the heart of a lion, looks to me like a guy who is slowing down. Sure. Uh, and there are some sleeper picks to get off of that team. Ezekiel Elliott begins to have decent value here in round three, especially in round four. Um, Leonard Fournette. Uh, the, Leonard Fournette's going in, in round two in a lot of drafts that I've looked at. Um, and I get it. He was very productive. I'm not sure if I'm doing it. Keenan Allen, ding, ding, ding. Mike Evans, uh, Travis Etienne, Elijah Mitchell, watch an injury issue, but it certainly looks like he is the lead back in San Francisco. I think T Higgins is, is his floor is so high that I love T Higgins with a round three or round four pick. Uh, Michael Pittman might be a guy that people aren't watching as much because it's, it's just not sexy. And where did he come from and who's the quarterback and all that. But if you eyeball Michael Pittman, Jeff, isn't he really good? He is. And when you look at it, too, like sometimes you look and say, okay, this is what I do with Phillip Rivers. This is what I do with Carson Wentz. No, no, no. Look, Matt Ryan, where Matt Ryan's at right now, is in a better spot than Rivers was when he came over, in a better spot with Wentz, what he did. I think it's a it's a quarterback upgrade. And I think that's why Pittman, yeah, I, I love Pittman. I think Pittman, you're getting great value on Pittman in most drafts because he's not the name. He doesn't have that year that says, oh, my God, look at this guy. He hasn't had a Jamar Chase or a Justin Jefferson type year. But his team is better with Matt Ryan there, and that makes him better. Deontay Johnson falls into this group, and there's a guy who may fall, right? Ben is gone. Now, be honest yeah. with yourself. Ben was gone last year while he was here. This, this team isn't going to be any worse from the passing attack. But but all of us are sort of thinking, well, they're, they're, they never quit. So they'll be roughly around 500. They're a grinded-out team. Deontay Johnson, you know what he is? Open all the time. He yes. runs these short to medium routes. He is great at getting open. And no matter who the quarterback is, and they'll go between Trubisky and Pickett, Deontay Johnson is going to catch somewhere between 85 and 100 passes. He just is. And, and it look, doesn't matter how many games the Steelers win. He's I, I want Deontay Johnson around three or four. The, the fact he does run those short routes and gets open is what's great because look, the Steelers' offensive line, it's not great. Okay, newsflash. Right. Steelers' yeah. offensive line, not great. But – it's looked worse because you had a statue back there the last two years at Roethlisberger. I'm a Steelers fan. I'm being honest. Yeah. Okay, so Roethlisberger took a couple of steps and fired the ball. Now, when you got Trubisky or Pickett, much more mobile. Yeah. They will make the offensive line look better. They might not block better, but Trubisky and Pickett can extend the play in a way Roethlisberger could the last two years. That helps Deontay Johnson. I'm with you. I'm getting great value of Deontay Johnson in all the drafts I'm doing. I love I think I think we're closer to a hundred than the eighty or eighty-five. I think it's close to hundred passes this year he catches because of the fact that not that the offensive line is better, the quarterback can actually move and move the pocket. And quarterbacks throw to the guy who's open because in this league, the truth is there aren't that many guys open. 
Right. There really aren't. You know, yeah. Pat Mahomes throws guys open, moving around, moving his hips, looking people off. He gets people who can't even play open, right? Uh, Pringle is open. How the hell is Pringle open? I mean, he's got heart, but he ain't open. He's open now. Why is he open? Because Pat got him open, right? So there's a lot of that. Kyle Pitts is in this group. Uh, as we get through round three and head into round four, Mahomes uh, early in round four is a yes for me probably this year. Uh, Brees Hall, the rookie running back for the Jets. Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins. Watch and see when on J.K. Yeah. Dobbins. D.K. Metcalf. Again, don't let those two talented Seattle wide receivers fall off your board and out of your mind because Russell's not there. They're really great. They're, they're really great. Lockett's a really good player. And you're probably going to look up in round seven or eight and be able to get Lockett because people are yeah. like, nah, that team. Don't, don't discount that player. That player knows how to get open. Uh, DK, George Kittle falls in here. I'm not doing that. Justin Herbert, A.J. Dillon. Find out about A.J. Dillon. I'm really sort of arrow up, creeping up more and more on A.J. Dillon, to be honest with you. He's going in round five. I might take him in round four. David Montgomery is all of a sudden being poo-pooed because the new coach and the new offensive coordinator, maybe it doesn't quite fit. And right. I am a little confused about that because his yards per carry weren't great. But, man, in, in a down year with a terrible team where nothing ever went right for that Bears team, the damn guy who stood up every play, every down was David Montgomery. So when I got early this year, I was like, yes on David Montgomery. Hell yes on David Montgomery in round three or four. I've been mildly talked out of it. How about you? Yeah, I like Montgomery in round four, uh, obviously more than round three. But with the, the Bears offense, yes, Montgomery's that guy. And this is where it goes back to the rules thing about if it's a dynasty – I like him less just because, and I think a lot of productive this year. I love him in round four and around three or in round four. I love Montgomery. That's, I think that's fine. The offensive line is going to be slightly better, but there's a lot of question marks about the offensive line. And that all goes back to the whole thing about planning backwards. If you, if you believe the bears offensive line is better then you believe fields will have more time. You believe that the bears will be in more games. You believe the bears will have more reason to run the ball with Montgomery. Khalil Herbert's battled, battled some injuries and so he's not 100%. I'm with you on Montgomery at the right value, depending on your league rules and depending on your uh, the, the fact that about if it's a dice league or a, a keeper league and all that. Montgomery in four is a steal, in my opinion. Agreed. It, depending on your rules, three might be a steal, but four is definitely a steal, no matter what the no matter what your format is. Sometimes when you eyeball a player a lot too, you get the feeling. Bill Parcells once said to me, I asked him, I said, "What's the hardest thing?" Caught him in a pro shop the dallas cowboys pro shop one day okay. on an off day and he right. looked at me and he's like what you know he knew i he knew i wanted right. to ask him something i didn't want to be typical media guy and i'm like okay this is off what's the hardest thing wait it was it off the record for your answer is off the record right. yes are yeah. you gonna say it though uh, no yeah well yeah it, it, it was seven years ago i'm gonna say That's it now right. and, it, and it's not the, it, it it isn't outing anyone really okay. i said off the record and he's like i don't care he's like right. i said what's the hardest thing he said half of them don't want to play I said, half? He said, oh, Brady, they want to play on Sunday. But right. Monday sucks to look at film and get yelled at. Tuesday, they're yeah. three pounds overweight and got a lift. Wednesday, <laughs> game plan Wednesday, and they're basically working a 12-hour day when they really want to play video games. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, half of them hate all of those days. Right. And think they can show up with this star on the side of their helmet or whatever right. team it is they're playing for on yeah. Sunday against these world-class athletes and those who have prepared and still be good enough. And right. he's like, to me, I said, so that's hard. And he goes, oftentimes it's heartbreaking because every year there are a dozen guys on my 53 that I identify as not pro bowlers, but guys who I can help have a 10-year career. 
Stick with me. Work as hard as I ask you to work. Study the film, hit the weights, do those little extra things, and you'll play 10 years. I'll make you rich, and you will be thought of as a success in this wonderful game. And half of them can't or won't do it. Half. What a giant number. And so I actually went to the locker room with that a year or so later. I said, a very famous coach said to me, I asked Michael Gallup this. I said, very famous coach said to me, half don't want to play. I said, you don't have to answer if you don't want to. Is that right? And he goes, it's about right. And he's not calling out anyone in his locker room, but he's he's three years into the game and he's looking around and he's he's the, the level of disappointment, the things that coaches and players who want to play live yeah. through are monstrous. And I really, in getting to be friends with Romo, yeah. he would tell me things and he was never calling anyone out, but he would say, you can't believe how hard it is to, to try and be in charge, to fall on the sword all the time. And you want to say, those four guys didn't even get to the game on Sunday. And I don't know why. And I can't shake them. I can't make their family lives better or their money situation better or their decisions better or anything else. But 53 guys getting them together. That's why, you know, in being in locker rooms through the years, there were times I almost always knew when the Cowboys were going to get to 10 or 11 because there, there was a togetherness that was different than other years. Other years, the year T.O. came to town and Parcells called sure. him the player. For six games, he wouldn't tell us his name. The player, when we would right. ask him about it. He knew he was going to be divisive in that locker room, no matter how much of a freight train he was running skinny posts and going down the middle of the field. He thought the balance wasn't worth it. And it was interesting because he wouldn't say it, but he'd said it. And it was so cool to watch. And it was so cool to, to see T.O. go in and turn up the music in the bound box when we were all talking to people. And he was just basically flipping everyone off, including his teammates. You know, it's interesting, Brady, because, in, you know, the, God, this could be a whole other podcast oh, or series, you and I. But sure. like, I find this, and you, you, you've got much more, uh, admittedly, much more experience talking to athletes than I do. But in like my time talking to former athletes and former coaches and getting into their brains and how things work, it is fascinating to me and how much that mindset plays into who's successful and how much people resent, how much other athletes resent their teammates who don't go all in and they know it. Like you could ask an athlete who on your team didn't buy in and it might be the most talented player on the team. Hmm. If he doesn't buy in, it has that ripple effect. If that guy, you get special treatment or get special coverage because of his name and not because of what he does, it can totally divide a locker room. But you see these guys that come through. And I feel like there's, unfortunately, there's too many times you get a guy who's got the effort and who's got the the want and who and who is not going to check out but doesn't have that 1% extra that it takes yeah. to move up. And they're out of the game five years earlier than they wanted to be. They're out of the game after a few years. And it's sad, but it's almost uplifting when they recognize it. Cause most of the guys I talk to that have been at that level, like my God, I wanted it. I worked my ass off to get there. And I did all of these things. I did everything I was supposed to do. I just didn't have that extra 1%. That's why I'm out. It, it's, it's sad and wonderful when they recognize that, but you're right. It's like, it's, it's a, and, and the coaches too. Look, you might be a brain surgeon and you're a different kind of smart. You might be a jazz pianist or drummer. And it's a different kind of smart. Mm. A football player, don't tell me that offensive lineman is dumb. He's got 85 different plays in his head that he knows. An audible comes up that he's got a 300-pound man in front of him. He knows what to do. 
Same thing with receivers. Uh, you break down game tapes with foreign players. It is a totally different smart, but it is a smart. And it is an experience. You come to lot to really like offensive linemen, oddly enough, when you cover teams for a long time, because sure. the the movement of an offensive line, and they will describe it to you, is is a ballet. It is a dance moving yes. this way and this way of the biggest men you've ever seen. Right, the biggest men you've ever seen. Incredibly, and the truth yes. is. You know, the left tackle knows exactly where the left guard's foot is going to be on every play and how he steps and how he jabs, and they stay together. I, I got to where I just love offensive linemen because they, they come and they go together. They do almost everything together. They end up with this wonderful like mind. They're extraordinarily proud of themselves, and they take pride in what it is they do. And when an offensive unit plays together for a couple of years where you've got the same, mostly the same five guys – it's right. so much fun to watch because you can almost guarantee you're going to have a competitive team if you've got this group here who won't talk to us, who doesn't give a damn what I think about what they're doing. But you sure. watch them and you're like, these guys are 100% cohesive and together. They are not letting anything happen to that guy. And they're going to beat the shit out of that guy in front of them. And they're willing to do it over and over and over again. And you do not need to come ask me a damn question because I don't have any opinions that you want to hear. It goes back. Your offensive linemen in high school were the dumb jocks, right? They were dumb guys. That's what you Huge. said. That's what you thought. Okay, dumb guys. And then they get to the college level because they're really smart, but yep. they still, they might talk like this, whatever. It's still, it's a different kind of smart. And by the way, they are right now being underpaid to protect the overpaid guy behind them, overpaid guys behind them. Yes. And they won't get their name in the papers. They won't get recognized unless they called for a false start, a hold, or a sack. That's the way they get recognized. It is. It's. You're right. The offensive lineman. I think. I think that if you're a true football fan, no disrespect to anybody, but I'm saying like if you're a real football fan, you recognize the importance of those guys up front. That everything starts and ends in a game that is yes. however many hundred years old at the line of scrimmage, yes. offensive and defensive oh, yeah. line, and that is why love them or not, the Pittsburgh Steelers are consistently, and now the Baltimore Ravens for the last twenty years are yeah. consistently good because you know what. They, they, they shut their mouths, they stick their chins out, and they play smash mouth, punch you in the face football. And it may not win in week one and week two against Allen and, and, and Mahomes, but the damn truth is by week 15, 16, 17, 18, going to the playoffs, that's the team you don't want to play. That team's, what are they going to do? Beat the shit out of us for 70 plays yeah, over great. and over and over and never give and never pout. Right. It, it, it's been the same forever. As sexy as fantasy football is and we're choosing running backs and wide receivers and everyone else can fuck yes. off. The truth is it yes. all goes. It ends and begins with those defense and offensive lines to level C. This is round five and six. Now you're thinking to yourself, do I want one of these quarterbacks? Because Joe Burrow's still here in round five. Chase Edmonds is a big arrow up for me in Miami right now. Chris Godwin's another one. How did Chris Godwin make it to round five or six when the truth is he's had a little injury, this or that? He's friggin' always open. Yes. Chris Godwin gets open. Tom Brady loves him. He runs exact routes. Cortland Sutton is flying up boards because of Russell Wilson. It's one that I know belongs here, and I will probably let it go. I probably want to see it because I've looked at Cortland Sutton for three or four years and thought, freak. Yet, yeah. I haven't seen a level of consistency for five games, much less for an entire season. DJ Moore is a terrific wide receiver that's been on a bad team. Brandon Cooks is actually better in his career when he's on bad teams. Lamar Jackson uh, in the second half of round five. Antonio Gibson, because there isn't anyone else right now, because maybe, he, maybe <laughs> he had his competition shot four or five right. times. Sure. I doubt it. 
but but maybe this is just a podcast. Uh, Damian Harris, Jerry Judy, Amon Ross, St. Brown. Every now and then a guy comes in front of you during a season and you see him lift his level and continue right. it all the way through the last eight or nine games. Amon Ross, St. Brown is not a joke. He's a perfect route running machine for an average to, to below average quarterback who throws a pretty good mid-range ball. Jalen Hurts then. And and I, I can make cases either way for Jalen Hurts. If you get all those yardage rushing and you get rushing touchdowns, then probably his ceiling or his floor is relatively high. I do know an interesting stat, and take this for what it's worth. Let's hear it. Jalen Hurts completed between the hash marks. Yes. So essentially what is the middle of the field? Right. How many passes last year did he complete in the middle of the football field? It's a low number. I don't know. Is it like... 110? No. 130? Completed passes in the middle of the field. Right. Jalen Hurts completed seven. That's it? Wait, seven? seven? The less the, the second lowest number for completed seven. seven. The the, the la, uh, next lowest number is 25, I think, and I can't remember who it was. Um, but seven. So doesn't that make you think, well, how hard is it to to prepare for them defensively? He's going to jump the pocket. He's yes. going to jump the pocket early, left or right, look to either run or throw to somebody headed to the sidelines. It's what he did all year. And Dallas Goddard's on his team. And AJ Brown's on his team, which may fix some of that because AJ Brown is a damn train running across the middle. I would think Goddard field. going across the middle would be more than seven. That's what I'm thinking, right? Goddard had to have caught 27 balls in the middle of the field by himself. I just would have yes. right? Seven. So that's an interesting number that for me is a little bit of, I'm going to keep thinking about this. Sure. Damian, Damian Pierce, the rookie running back in Houston, opportunity, my friends, opportunity. And Houston seems to have an attitude for me, Jeff, that is trending in the right way. We didn't win very many last year, but we kind of had some fun. Now sure. we've got more and more speed. Uh, we've, we've got Nico on the, at the wide receiver Nico position. Collins year, out there, yep. year two is exciting. And Cooks is kind of having some fun because he doesn't really like the pressure of winning, but he does like to play. And he maybe does. this quarterback isn't terrible. And they're going to be behind all the time. And maybe this is a damn interesting fantasy team in Houston that might be mildly fun to watch. So Damian Pierce is probably a guy, if you get Damian Pierce in round six, just snap, snap call. Boom. Right. Grab Damian Pierce because the opportunities are going to be tremendous. Allen Robinson has fallen because of some tough times in Chicago. As long as that quarterback's elbow is okay with the Rams, right. Allen Robinson is a stat hound who runs good routes and who catches every ball that you throw to him. Uh, Amari Cooper, I'm probably not. I watched him here in Dallas. I actually yeah. had some fun conversations with him. Amari Cooper, you know what he was doing every day when we went to the locker room? Playing chess. <laughs> Playing chess. Love, the, love it, but hate it. Playing chess. I would ask Amari Cooper after games, especially after really good games, 10 catches, two touchdowns, where you're in one of those games where you're going in, you're like, Jesus, that guy, when he wants to be, is the best wide receiver in football. Holy shit. And I would go in and purposely ask questions. And he didn't care. It wasn't that he didn't care. But winning wasn't that high on his list. And the Cowboys weren't that high on his list. And even football as 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 a whole wasn't that high on his list. Right. What was high on his list was, I'm the best route runner in the league. I want to embarrass the guy or the two guys that are in front of me sure. and catch the ball and have success. And I want everyone to say, holy crap, are you good? That's right. really, without saying that, that's what he said to me. Yeah. You are cream of the crop. 
Right. There's a froth on the top of the coffee. You are amazing. And when you weren't willing to see that, we even saw it in Oakland, and then we saw it, and it's the reason he's not in Dallas anymore. He gets bored. If yeah. you don't recognize he's the cream of the crop or the top of the coffee and everything's going to taste good if you throw it to him more than, okay, right. I'm not pissed. I'll just go stand over here. Right. Where are you on third and eight? I'm over here. If they want me, they'll call me. And and it was, it, I swear, I don't have anything bad to say. It wasn't that he didn't care. He was just unique. And and that's the other thing. You know, Norm Hitzkus, a longtime legend here in Dallas, and I had this conversation and he said, you know, one of the things that fans don't get is as we get to know these guys, what you begin to realize is sometimes what they give you is all they got. Yeah. And and while you look at it and you say, if I had that skill, if I, I, had that, I would do this. I'd lift more weights and I'd run faster and harder and I'd, I'd step I'd be on happier. And I'm here and I'm going to win every damn yes. play in every game. And I'm like that. Why aren't you like that? Well, the truth is a lot of them aren't. They, they are who they are. They got families and kids and debt and, and old hangers on from back in the day. Sure. And yeah. they got all this shit. And they're giving you, honestly, the best they got. Brady, do you think that gives you an edge? Yeah. When we're doing fantasy football and Facebook, does that, does yeah. that knowledge give you an edge? Yeah, it does. Because, yeah, you're right. Joe Fan looks at it and says, if I had Amari Cooper's talent and opportunity, yeah. I would absolutely do more with it than I did, right. than, than he's doing. And you know from being in the locker room, and you're around a lot more than I am, that that doesn't happen sometimes. Right. Like, when you look at, you just mentioned, like, oh, my God, this guy's something else. Like, there's only a few guys in my lifetime that I've said that about. Randy Moss. Yeah. Barry Sanders. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd say Terrell Owens. Emmett Smith was more of a heart than talent, I think. I think Emmett Smith, talented as he was, but he got by a lot on his will and want, whereas I think Barry Sanders got by more on his talent. Not a knock on either one. Emmett Smith had a great career, one of the best running backs of all time, absolutely. But sometimes you get a guy. Like, I think Randy Moss could have done more. Love Randy Moss. Mm. He was the most unguardable player I've ever seen in my life among receivers. Terrell Owens probably got by more on want than that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and the ability to see that and and to know the truth about some of that and be able to talk to people about that certainly, certainly does give you an advantage. There's no doubt, especially in the first 10 or 15 years that I did this, I won yeah. all the time because I had so much more information than you had, right? I had so right. much more information from other writers on other teams in other cities. And now the truth is, if you look closely and you really want to be good at fantasy football, and you, you know, I know a lot of guys who make a living playing fantasy sports. Sure. There's a ton of information out there. There's an endless amount of information out there. Fantasy alarm, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Most of it's free. Yeah. And if you really want to do this, you really want to win your league, you know, spend your time while you're at work and you're bored downloading and, and looking at things for 10 minute increments during the day. Spend your lunch looking at it because the information is there aplenty. What you got to kind of do is decide what writers you believe. Right. Sort of choose a writer from Kansas City. Choose a writer from Buffalo. You know, choose certain writers that you'll see that they'll say that sucks. Right. And they'll call out something that isn't right from their point of view and from a fan's point of view and from what an organization wants. That's the guy who will tell you the truth, right? Todd Archer is one of those guys that has worked for ESPN forever and has been in Dallas. Todd Archer doesn't care. He's honey badger. I don't give a shit. He's right. going to tell you what he, what he thinks he knows. And the truth is he's so close with this Dallas organization that if Todd Archer wrote it, it's going to happen. 
if you want to know if someone's getting signed or getting cut or whatever, he knows it two days before everybody else. So Brady, and, and, I tell everybody, don't yeah. don't hone in on one person. Look, Matthew Barry, Eric Carabell, uh, you know, Brandon Funston, you and I, we've all got our rankings, our opinions. Yeah. I don't think I'm the smartest guy. I'd like to believe I am, but I'm telling you, I don't think I am. Take everybody's information and look at it and then decide for yourself at the end who you believe, what you want to believe. Like I'm looking at your, the 6A and 6B we talked about. Hurts, yeah. Pierce, Robinson, Cooper, Waddle, Hawkinson, Murray, Edwards, Alaire, Miles Sanders, Gabriel Davis, Marquise Brown, Dalton Schultz. Okay. Like I love Damian Pierce at that level. He's getting to be overhyped now to this point where it's almost hard to get him at a good value. I'm yep. still getting good value on Allen Robinson. I love the fact that Matthew Stafford is the best quarterback he's ever played for. If Stafford's arm, if you believe Stafford's elbow's okay, yep. then you probably should get Allen Robinson at this level. With Cooper, you know, I, I'm back and forth on him. Um, Edward Delaire, like I think Edward Delaire is due for a big year. I'm not going to take him beyond before round six, but if he's there and I'm at the end of round six and I'm looking, I need a number three running back. I'll take that value at that point. Uh, I do like Gabriel Davis because when you look at the volume, how many times Josh Allen's going to throw the ball where Buffalo's going to be at, I like that. Marquise the, problem Brown, is, yeah, the problem is, Tito, Gabriel Davis is headed into late round three, early round it's four. It's too early, way too and, early. And this happens. This happens yes. every year. You'll find two or three guys every year that just continue to creep up leaderboards and people are like, I'm not missing him, I'm not yeah. missing him. Quick, go back and look at Gabriel Davis's last two years. They're exactly the frigging same. 500 yeah. yards, six touchdowns, you know, 54 catches. So to project Don't him look at game log. Huh? Don't look at game log. Look at final numbers, you're saying. Look at final numbers. Yeah. Go look at what he's done. Okay, that's not to say that that guy that got open against Kansas City when cornerbacks kept falling down isn't a good player and right. isn't on a good offense. He is. And I'm with you. Gabriel Davis in round six, I'm in. Gabriel yeah. Davis moving into late round three and round no. four is, is risk oh. that you don't need to put yourself in front of. It, it's I'm risk. Good. Uh, let's go on to round, uh, uh, what do we do? Five and six. So round seven, seven and eight. Yep. Yeah, this is level uh, D. Uh, here, you're, you're, you're going to get into that area where you're deciding, am I not going to risk quarterback at round right. nine, 10, 11? And you're going to say, you know what? Dak, Russell Wilson, pretty solid. I'm going there. Matthew Stafford. I'm getting my quarterback here in round seven, somewhere, somewhere early or late in round seven. So all those guys, Stafford, uh, Dak, Russell Wilson, Wilson in Denver in a new situation with lots of offensive sure. weapons. It, it certainly must work in a, in a division where probably 40 is what it's going to take to win division games every week, right? Because <laughs> oh Oakland's, Oakland's not going to suck. Denver's not going to suck. San Diego's not going to suck. And you know Kansas City will be there. So those games are going to be over and under and all those games are going to be 60. Huh? You and I are both old. I yeah. say Oakland too. It's Las Vegas. Oh, that's right. I'm with you. No, but I'm with you. Know, I say the same thing all the time, right? I actually do like them in Las Vegas. Like, if there's any place that Oakland can be besides Oakland, right. Las the Vegas seems, it seems appropriate, no doubt. Yeah, it will no never doubt. be another right. one, yes. Uh, Devin, Devin Singletary in here. Kareem Hunt, I've always kind of had a thing for because I know he does like to play. Rashad sure. Bateman's a name a lot of you may not know. 
but that's where the ball's probably going to go 110 or 15 times in Baltimore. Yes. And he runs those intermediate routes that that quarterback can hit, right? So I, I like that. He's pretty good at getting open. Zach Ertz sort of had a, a rebirth in Arizona, sure. and I kind of see it continuing. So if you can get Zach Ertz here in this round 7-8 range in Arizona with a team that we've already decided may start slowly and then have to come on like gangbusters at the end, Zach Ertz is terrific. And now you didn't – you know, you – you got four wide receivers and three running backs already before you took Zach Ertz. Um, on to round eight, Kenneth Walker, uh, rookie in Seattle, is is a big-time athletic talent. And the other thing we know, I don't know how much longer Pete Carroll's going to be there, but no matter what, they're running the damn football. They are. Uh, and I wish that Kenneth Walker had been healthier. So that's yes. the reason he's going to sit here. Is, is, Kenneth, is, yeah. Yeah, is Kenneth Walker one of those guys where you say, well, you know what? If he gets to around eight or nine, I'm talking about probably pretty good value on a running football team. I, I think it depends on it depends on what your format is. If it's yeah. somebody I can keep, then yeah, I like him a little more. He's got the hernia surgery you had. Yeah. And look, me not being a doctor, believe it or not, Brady, I'm not a doctor. Me hmm. not being a doctor, whenever someone says something like a hernia thing, I, I get concerned about the long-term. People say it's minor hernia. I don't see minor hernia anywhere. I think hernia is a significant thing no matter what, especially for a running back. And so if if I got more information on him and they said, hey, look, I think he'll play by week two, week three, whatever, then I feel better about it. I just don't know enough about what the surgery was and where he's at. And I don't... Look, Pete Carroll's almost gotten to the Belichick level of don't trust the running back. Probably He's probably actually exceeded it. And it's not so much because of Pete Carroll as much as it is for the running backs he's had that keep getting hurt. I think that's the issue. Whereas well, Belichick, he, I feel like he pounds the them too, right? He pounds he does, them. No doubt about it. Yes. So I think once once you've got the guy who's playing, he's playing for the next four games until yes. he's dead. And yeah, then you, you gotta find the guy. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so, like well, Belichick is is like it feels like he is deliberately indecisive and doesn't give a shit about fantasy. I think Carroll's more like attrition where it happens. So where he says, I love this guy. And then the guy's done after 120 carries, 120 touches, four games, and they move on to the next guy. And that's my only concern with Walker. I remember asking Wade Phillips in a press conference when he said he was going to go with Marion Barber to the tune of maybe 25 touches a game. Right. And I went back and Marion Barber had been a shared running back in college and had always been a running back that shared carries in the pros. And I, when I talked to him, he even shared carries in high school. So as big as he was, and he was right. Marion the Barbarian, right? right? He ran into everything in front of him. And I said to Wade Phillips, so you're going to go Marion with, you know, 80% of your touches. Yes. Right. I said, does it concern you that he's really never in his life done that and that he's a very physical runner? And he goes, well, he's a horse. And I said, what are you going to do when your horse can't run anymore? And he goes, get another horse. <laughs> That's how they do with the NFL. That's what it That's is. Exactly how they think about it. So yes. that is that is what you got in Seattle. When you got Rashad Penny in round five or six, good for you because he finished the season strong. He's a Pete yeah. Carroll type running back. But if you're going to invest in that, then you probably better get our guy, uh, Kenneth Walker, the rookie yeah. here. Who and I will tell you this: I've had two hernias, so I'll give you a little doctor thing. <laughs> Let's hear it. I've yeah. had two. I've had two hernias. It sucks the first fourteen days okay. because they cut right through muscle right there in your in right. your mid region, right? Right. Don't show me. Don't, don't scroll down. I got it. So yeah. So anyway, but but he'll get over the hernia, and I'm surprised that it has taken this long. So that makes Does that me concern wonder. you though. 
Yeah, it makes me wonder about his pain Maybe. tolerance is all that concerns me, which right. is a concern, right? Football players with a pain tolerance issue are a concern. No doubt about it. All right, let's keep moving. Kenneth Walker was round eight. Tony Pollard, probably someone you and I would both jump on ahead yes. of of, uh, of yes. Kenneth Walker, oh, yeah. right? Pollard's proven in this offense. Uh, Zeke is slowing down when this offense needs more speed, and it's going to need more speed and more playmakers in this first few weeks from wherever it can get it. Pollard, if you get him in round eight, pretty good. Hunter Renfro falling down boards because people just think, well, it might have been a little bit of a fluke. There's, you know, uh, Waller's probably back, is he? Right. And then the best wide receiver in football is here, and yeah, run throws numbers may go down. They may go down. They probably will go down a little bit. But in round eight or nine, Hunter Renfro gets open a lot. And when you have six catches for whatever the number is, you've got double-digit points out of your player, even if he didn't score a touchdown. So that's value in round eight. Six for 60, yep. Yeah, absolutely. Tyler Lockett, just just don't give up on Tyler Lockett. He's open all the time. He runs great routes. They are going to have to throw the football on third down. They're going to be in positions where they throw the ball. And they're a team that runs it so damn often that if he runs good routes, he's going to be open. Eight yards, 12 yards, 15 yards, and the occasional bomb. Tyler Lockett's still good. He didn't turn shitty just because the quarterback left. So don't miss out on him. Here's where D Hop comes in. You talked about that somewhere around seven or eight. You're all over D Hop, right? Love D Hop. Yep. Uh, Dawson Knox is one that I'm sort of putting a little asterisk by because people aren't really paying attention. He's the best friend of that quarterback on that team. I like his chances of helping us with touchdowns too. Six to eight touchdowns mean Dawson Knox is a viable tight end. If you believe Buffalo's going to score points, which I do, yep. then they're going to have time in the red zone, which I believe they will have. Then yep. you've got to believe Dawson Knox will be better than he's going. And especially, look, if you take Josh Allen early, Dawson Knox it breaks ties. With a, if you're like, oh, I'll take Dawson Knox or this guy or this guy, they're all kind of even, take yep. Dawson Knox. Stack it that way. Um, so, yeah, I love it that way. Hunter Renfro, you look at it again. How, is Carr going to be better? Okay, yes, I think he'll be better. Okay, how many completions will Carr have? Great. Where will they go? Even if Waller's healthy and you add Devontae Adams into it, Renfro is still a damn good value if you can get him right there in that eighth round. And Pollard, look, I if I if I got Zeke last night in the fourth round of a draft. Yeah. Not because I like Zeke. It was great value at the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not taking Zeke in the first three rounds for my draft. Yep. I'll let somebody else take him. If he's in the fourth round, I'll take him does not change how much I love Tony Pollard this year. Pollard was better last year when he played. He was better than Zeke. Yeah, no doubt. They'll give Zeke the ball more because of the money he earns right now, because Jerry Jones has to justify it. But at the end of the day, I'd rather have Pollard at this value than Zeke in the first two or three rounds. It's a fatal damn flaw, by the way, with Jerry Jones and this organization. Continuing to to push the ball to guys who he paid and or overpaid. You can fall in love with guys if you want to. You can manipulate the cap, do whatever the hell you want. But when your eyeball test says Pollard for 17 touches, Zeke for 11 touches, put Zeke in when you know you got to pick up a blitz or when things can't get screwed up. You, you you have to let your eyeballs do the, the work, and, and Belichick does. The Ravens do. The Steelers do. They're, winning is what this is all about. Winning is what this is about. You can't take back 10,000 carries that Zeke Elliott has since high school. You can't, and, and you can't undo it. And you look at you mentioned Belichick. So, Ramondre Stevenson, I've seen Damian Harris in about half the drafts I've done, I would say, probably half. I've seen Damian Harris go ahead of Ramondre Stevenson for New England. I know that Belichick is famous for screwing up fantasy teams with his running back distribution. But I feel like if I want to own a New England running back this year, it's Ramondre Stevenson. 
well, Damian Harris isn't going to score 15 more touchdowns. There, no. there are you. You will hear fantasy guys make reference to things about uh, regression. Right. Uh, 15 touchdowns happens maybe not even every year at any position, okay. running right. back or wide receiver. Yeah. It's it's an astronomical number. So if you had him and and you won your league because of him because good of all the touchdowns, good for you. Right. But but believe me, you, you me, it's going to be six this year or yeah. or five. Right. And Ramondre Stevenson, I'm totally with you, is going to catch more passes, and the value for this Patriots team comes at Ramondre Stevenson around nine or ten. It just does. Yeah. All right, round, round ten. Now you're thinking, I may have to draft back-to-back quarterbacks. Here's Kirk Cousins, right? Here's Derek Carr. Here's Tom Brady. Here's Aaron Rodgers. I, I was in a draft the other day that went like this. This guy drafted Brady in round nine, Rodgers in round 10, and Carr in round 11. Oh, Jesus. Okay, that's overkill. But yes. A little bit of overkill, but I think he yeah. drafted the third one because he looked at a couple teams that only had one or or one or two teams sure. that didn't have any. And he was like, well, now there's value, and you got to start thinking this in rounds 10 through 10, 11, 12 of, yeah. okay, I don't need that player. But I might be able to make a trade based on having that player. That's a really good player. I don't need another tight end. But right. Waller slipped around 10. He's not going to. But whatever the example is. And sure. quarterbacks are a good example. Because if Fields sucks and the San Francisco quarterback happens to suck, Fairly and nice. all of a sudden you know they're, they're not getting anything done in two or three other towns, the truth is there might only be 10 or 12 good quarterbacks and three of them might get hurt. And you might be sitting there with desperate teams holding a Derek Carr or an Aaron Rodgers who've been doing just fine, who will say, you know what? I'll give you Rashad Bateman right now for that guy. Well, you know what? You just picked up a round six wide receiver because you took value in round 12 with an extra quarterback. Um, You know, Sneaky guys. Every year, I, I I think I'm smart, and so I have my sneaky guys. Raheem Mostert is my sneaky guy, uh, and I'm not sure I'm right because certainly the number one running back position is spoken for in Miami. But Raheem right. Mostert played for this coach, uh, and th- this offensive quarter coordinator really knows him and knows what his plays are and knows how to get something out of him. And probably Raheem Mostert isn't on anybody's board. The draft I did the other night with some good players, he went in round 15. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, don't forget how fast Raheem Mostert is. And don't I forget get, that he can take games there. over. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. You can value on Mostert. And that's where things look like. It's if if you're drafting and if you want to try to take, I don't want to say, I agree with you on Mostert. I'm not saying it's a huge risk. Yeah. But if you're going to take a chance like that, this is the time to do it. Don't right. do it rounds three, four, and five. You've right. got to make sure you get your lock solid guys early on. But right. yeah, something like this, and we talked about the quarterback thing about taking like the guy who took three quarterbacks, who took Rodgers and, and Carr and Cousins, whatever, back to back to back to back. Yeah. Yes, you can look at. Um, it is. What's important is that yeah, if you can say you know what, I think I can trade this eleventh round pick for somebody this guy took in the eighth round, then you can make that. Uh, you can take that, make that decision. You know what I mean? You can decide right. you know what I'm going to do that instead, and uh, even though you don't need a quarterback, so I've got two. But you say to yourself, again, I'm a guy who's in the playoffs every year. I'm a guy who competes every year. I will be able to trade this 11th round pick for that guy's seventh round pick, who's his third running back. I can make this deal because I know his quarterback sucks and he overdrafted. Or I know this guy's wide receiver sucks. I know he overdrafted. So he's going to need something from me that I can make that deal. Right. Value becomes a big deal as you look for these guys in round 10, 11, 12, and 13. It really does. Value for now, value for week five, for week six, and value for trades later on. Don't forget that. Don't stare right at a good player and say, damn, that's a really good player right there. Right. 
but I don't need him. I already got three of those or four of those. If, if it jumps out to you like that, you should probably take that player. Yeah. You should probably take that player because he will end up having value for you. Uh, on to round 12 and 13, Mac Jones. Uh, hopefully you don't have to do it. Um, Tyrion Davis-Price, the rookie out of San Francisco. You know, the reason that that's tantalizing is it seems like somebody slightly different ends up with a real opportunity in San Francisco almost every year. Uh, so, okay, in round 12 or 13, if you've read something about him, same with Rashad White, the rookie in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Uh, you know, same thing. Sky Moore is a, is a name you heard a lot in He's Kansas City. Yep. And you can immediately close your eyes and think Mahomes to Sky Moore is sexy. All of these are kind of cool picks. This is where I had Christian Watson. We talked about him early. The first round pick for Green Bay that hasn't hardly gotten on the field. All of these guys, when you, when you can see a guy here that could end up for a burst of games, maybe it's the last six games or whatever, end up being a breakout person later in the season. Then if you took him in round 12 or 13, then then your patience showed. The other way you'll have to have patience is waiting on him through first five weeks of him not doing anything. But that's what happens in round 11, 12, and 13. And I like value guys and guys who have a chance to really pump me up because the truth is attrition is going to happen. Your sure. favorite wide receiver, your second favorite wide receiver is going to get hurt and your favorite running back is going to get hurt. And do yes. you have depth and or the ability to plug people in? That's why I love Jameis Winston or your backup quarterback in this range. Me too. And I don't know who your first one is. It doesn't matter who your first one is. Jameis Winston is a really good backup quarterback. Because what I look at when I'm drafting the quarterback, then I look at the second one. I'm not looking at, look, if I take, if I'm taking Mahomes or like we're talking about Herbert or Allen early on, those guys are my starting quarterback every single week, except when they're off. Right. Or if they get hurt. And Winston has that ceiling. Look, Winston's got a 5,000-yard season on his resume. Winston's got a 30-plus touchdown season on his resume. I understand the interceptions. I get it. He is uh, kind of reborn a little bit in New Orleans. And when mm -hmm. you look at it, he's got Michael Thomas when he's healthy. Yep. Yep. You've got Olave. You've also got um, who was the, uh, Jarvis Landry. Yep. You've got Alvin he's, Kamara. Yep. Who's not, by the way, Kamara you could steal also because people still think he's going to be suspended. He won't be suspended he's this not. year. might be next yep. year. Take yep. Kamara if people are worried about it. As a matter of fact, I would throw the rumor out there to your teammates, your league mates. I would say, Careful hey, on that one. Yes. Kurt Kamara. And then you grab you grab him at pick 10. Yes. That's perfect. Yes. Do it then. But I'm just saying, like, so Winston to me is the ultimate backup quarterback in fantasy football, and this is where you get him. Totally agree. We grabbed uh, Winston in round 13, and a couple perfect. of guys were like, oh, yes. my God, you already have two quarterbacks. What are you doing? And I'm like, I see it as value. And I Absolutely. see a really good defense yes. getting the ball to a guy who's hungry as hell, an offense that's quietly better than people think in a division yeah. that they can win. And I see you calling me and giving me Rashad Bateman, who you drafted in round six for Jameis Winston for in, in week seven because you got in trouble and you really didn't even have a backup quarterback. Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota. Huh? If my yes sounds like the Ed McMahon impersonation that Phil Hartman did, I apologize. I am no, but I love it. It actually reminds me of good times. By the way, let's chime in right here. Uh, we are presented throughout this entire 90 minutes, and I hope you're enjoying it because we're going a little bit off script. But Jeff Thidoff and I'm Brady Tinker. We'll be here for you week in and week out through the regular season. We will take you through potential trades, people you should be eyeballing to trade for. Free agents, obviously, are, for a, are a big deal. And then we'll look at matchups every week and try and get you ready for who you put in your lineup. You know who your top four are, but you got to get your whatever, 8th, ninth, 10th, and 11th players, how many ever you're putting in. you got to get those right. And, and there are going to be decisions to make, and we're going to help you with those week in and week out, all because of our friends at BetUS.com. Bet with three 
decade, the three-decade leader. It is BetUS. Now for 125% bonus using promo code DSP. That's us, DSP Media, DSP125, or a 200% bonus when you use crypto using promo code DSP200. And Bet Sports, Casinos, Horses, Pop, Culture, and more. Everything is there at BetUS.com. You see, you bet. You win and you get paid. BetUS.com, thanks to them. All right, we're getting deep into this. A lot of drafts may be over. You you may have a 14-round dra- uh, 14 draft. Good for you. That will leave you plenty of people to bid on in free agency. Yes. And as people get hurt here in these first couple of weeks, then fine. We're going to take this through round 16. So what happens in round 14, 15, and 16, as you can figure out, you pick your kicker, you pick your defense. Uh, is there a kicker, even the Baltimore kicker, that you're picking in round 13 or 14 because? Well, there's a reason. The only reason you take a Justin Tucker that early, the only reason you would do it, if you've got a league where it's like, okay, if you make a 50-yard field goal, it's five points, I might move it up then. Typically, yeah. my last two picks in every draft I do is going to be kicker and defense or defense and kicker in some order the last two rounds. Now, if the if the point structure is different, if you there's some leagues that value defenses differently, where it's a more like it, it advantageous to have a great defense or a great kicker, you have to reevaluate then. And also look at your first twelve or thirteen picks. There's been times I've done drafts. I told you I've done thirty five of them so far. But there's times I've looked at it and said, you know what? There's not a single player I can draft that will improve this team. I'm going to take a kicker in round thirteen, even though it's a sixteen round draft or round fourteen. Yeah. Okay. Ideally, you want to be able to draft 15, 16 kicker and defense. If your team is absolutely friggin' stacked, I understand taking a kicker or defense early, but it all depends on your format. In most leagues, standard leagues, it does not make sense. Let somebody else take a defense in rounds nine or 10 and just laugh at them. Trying to predict kickers getting between 130 and 155 points yeah. and using a pick early is is silly. As as good as that Ravens kicker is, as good as Bass is going to be probably right. in Buffalo or Butker in Kansas City, you you you, sh- you should find places where you have real upside in round 12, yeah. 13, 14, and save your kickers. What I do, I always think I know one person that I'm going to want to draft in the last round, and I'm going to be able to say, I drafted that fucker in the last round, and he got me value of a fifth-round player. And it's the reason I'm always in the money, because I know shit that you guys don't know. Most of the time, I'm wrong. But I love the idea. And so I will do 14 and 15 kicker in defense. I will try to get them, and I'll wait. And round 16, I'm going to look out there and say, you know what? Uh, Brian Robinson's bullet holes are going to be healed right. by round uh, by by week eight. Right. I like that here. I really liked his disposition. Daryl Williams in Kansas City, oddly enough, was the highest scoring running back in Kansas City last year. Guess where oh, he's yeah. at? He's yeah. in Arizona with James Conner, who looks like a wheelchair. Maybe he's coming thirty him. years old almost. Oh my gosh! Right, Daryl Williams is 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 a cool one. That Jahan Dotson is going to start in Washington, but your league may not even know about him. Starting players get lots of balls thrown their way. Something like that that falls to you in the last round or two always makes your draft. Gus Edwards isn't healthy yet in Baltimore, but you damn well know Baltimore's going to run the football. So Gus is yeah, he may have four straight weeks for you in round in week twelve through sixteen, where he gets you eighteen points every week, and you're going to be like. Look what I did. So those are the kinds of things that you always look to do. Others that didn't even end up mostly on our list, watch out for Boston Scott in Philadelphia. You throw in here wherever you want to. Terrence Marshall in Carolina. There are interesting names. Find yourself some interesting names and throw them in this little list over here on the side where you're the farther you go in your draft, you're like, no one knows this guy. 
No one knows this guy. I'm going to get this guy in the last round or two. Who who else for you falls on that list? You know, when you look at it, like the Terrace Marshall is huge. I, I agree with you on that one. Kenny Pickett's on that list as well. Yeah. Um, at this at this point right now, I might take Deshaun Watson if he's still there that late. Absolutely. Sure. Again, knowing look, and that goes to the other point about like. You know, some people have morality issues with face football. Like, yeah. I can't take this guy because of what he did. I totally understand it. I respect it. They're not watching LI, the LIV tour either. Right. Yeah, also. So, it's, you know, if, if you get somebody like that who has that kind of upside, which the Hopkins thing I talked about earlier, if you get somebody who gets yeah. that, kind of, that potential, honestly, the first time you cut somebody, it's probably going to be your week four, or your, your 14th, 15th, or 16th round guy you're going to cut anyway. So, try to find value in that. Like, I'm looking at, if you remember, like, uh, the, the Denver situation with Mike Shanahan, when you had Terrell Davis, who was came out of nowhere, and then Olandis Gary came out of nowhere. Guys like that you can grab. You've got to try to do a deep dive and find that person who's like, you know what? This guy, he might be the third running back. He might be the third quarterback. Pickett's, situation, Pickett's third in Pittsburgh right now, by the way, according to the depth chart with Trubisky, Rudolph, and Pickett. You look at it and say, you know what? This might be the guy behind the guy, to quote swingers, but the guy behind the guy might be the guy you get in the 15th or 16th round and then see what happens the first four or five weeks of the season. So, like, I'm loving Pickett this late. I'm loving Deshaun Watts if he's there this late. I'm loving, you know, uh, you mentioned Dotson in Washington. Look, it, as much as you might think Curtis Samuel came over the big money contract in Carolina, injury situation, McLaurin's there now, I get that. But Dotson, look, he's somebody – Burks in Tennessee – could be a great steal at this point. I think he will be the number one receiver in Tennessee. Throw a dart. It might not be perfect. Take a chance in weeks four. If you've done great, one through 13, you can throw darts in 14, 15, and 16. Go find your teams, too, that you really like. Uh, like Jeff, yes. and I really, uh, Jeff and I have a feeling that New Orleans is going to be way better than you think, led yes. by their quarterback. So if, if we're right and their quarterback stays upright and is better than you think, Maybe no one even thought about Marquez Callaway, but he yeah. runs pretty damn good routes, right? And, and he might be sitting there for you. Now, this name probably isn't sneaking through, but Rondale Moore was a name that I eyeballed last yeah. year. But now, with the vacancies there, I think Rondale Moore, how, he's going, what, round eight or nine now? Yeah, and you can great value on him. Yeah. I'm that's with you on that one. Yes, that's a really good player. Yeah, that's a really good player. Well, this has been fun, Jeff. Uh, thank you very much for doing this with me. Thanks for all the work you put into it. Uh, hopefully this sort of scattershot uh, method that we put here today, because we like to tell our stories and have conversations, we sort of entertain ourselves, uh, is something that was helpful for everybody else in their draft out there. Uh, what do the people need to know, Jeff? What's the last, what's the Tito thing they need to know? I would just say this, do your homework, spend the time on it. Every extra minute you spend, you know, and I'm not, this is gonna sound weird. Okay, you look at how Kobe Bryant used to operate. Kobe Bryant used to, used to outwork everybody. Mm -hmm. Nobody outworked me. If you want to be really good at this, spend the time. Do the research. Look at beat writers. Look at Brady at DFW Sports Beat on Twitter. Look at me at that happens. Look at what we do, what we put out there. Follow everybody. Research everything you can. And you can win your draft in the middle rounds. Yep. And then always, like, I'm getting my waiver claims in. I'm following this. I'm following this. I'm following this. Make sure you're staying on top of it because somebody in your league is not going to do it. You can have the advantage over them. This is so much fun. Look, Brady, I'm with you on that. Like the most fun thing is beating your buddies. Yeah. You're in a couple leagues. I'm in a few leagues. I told you I do those drafts for the people. It's like 
the competitiveness, I love it. It's it's great for somebody who's not playing football to actually be involved in it this way. Yeah, you're and in charge. So, yeah, that's like the the true charge for me on this. You have you can do all this stuff throughout the day and find your team and do drafts and wait as long as you can. Know your rules like Brady told you. Know the rules of your league and you can be successful. And come in with a plan, really. I mean, come in with a plan and 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 choose your players and look over and over and over again and rate your guys how they're supposed to be rated. And don't be mad at someone who screwed you last year because if you do that, he's going to come back and have a good year. You know, it, it, there's certain there are things that just are certainties. The minute you think you know because that guy fucked you and we're not taking him ever again, he's going to have a good year. He, whoever he is, he's right. going to have a good year. He just is. And I totally agree with you. These leagues are winnable in rounds eight through 13. Brady, do you have a guy? Do you have a guy that you've like, who's your favorite fantasy football player of all time? Somebody who's James, like, you know what? James, James Lofton. Lofton was. Okay. All right. Yep. So I took my first Lofton. pick with Brian Sipe. My favorite guy yep. is probably Derek Mason. Okay. And I actually yep. drafted him in one of my leagues. I would draft him after he retired. I drafted him for a couple years just because if I had a Derek Mason on my team, I felt like I would win. One more note I want to tell you about. I was uh, at the coffee shop locally here. Uh, I was walking in one day and I talk sports to the guy all the time. There was a guy there we, in the coffee shop. Guys, oh, it's Tito, does fantasy football, blah, blah, blah. This guy used to work for the Steelers as a team doctor. He told me that whenever the Steelers played the Ravens, because you talked about them earlier, how they beat each other up. He said that the he was a team doctor for the Steelers. He said they used three times as many painkillers, ibuprofen, Advil, whatever, during a Ravens game than they did any other game during the season. Three times that's, as many. And that stuff is true. There, I, I, w- I would have players on a Tuesday night show, right, that were getting ready for the Sunday game, and they were playing a physical team. And, and I would ask these guys, I'm like, what are you ready for? And they're like, to take two weeks to get over this game. <laughs> See, I know. It's going to hurt so much. I mean, I'm up for it, and this is football, and this is what you do. But one thing you know, no matter what the score is, the Ravens are going to beat the shit out of us. They just are. And it's going to hurt for an extra two weeks. And so you got to get your mind right of it's coming anyway. You know what right. I mean? Like like standing in – let's play pickleball, and the, and the guy in front of you is six feet tall, six and a half feet tall, and he's got a sitter, and you want to turn around and run. The truth is you need to stand there and put your paddle up because it's going to hit you anyway. And it ain't going to hurt that much. So try to get your hands up and get your hands in front instead of turning around and running because the shit's coming. And Brady, you got to stand in. So, by the way, you talk about the favorite teams and you like teams, have fun. Yep. Every year for me, if there's a tie, if there's two guys of like this guy or this guy, I have them almost dead even. If this guy is playing on Thanksgiving, I take him because I want to watch the Thanksgiving games with fun. There you now, go. for you. Yeah. Is Thanksgiving because you covered the Dallas for so long? You don't have. Is Thanksgiving still fun for you, or is it not fun for you at all? Like, do you no. enjoy? No, you know? I, I, I hate having to go Thursday <laughs> because the game because I want to watch all three games. It's always a late game. I want to overeat, and the yeah. Cowboys do a nice job of feeding us. They really do. You know, as you right. can imagine, in that in that sure. unbelievable facility, the food is pretty damn good. They're kind to us. They have the beer taps ready for us after the right. games. I mean, they like us there. You know, Jerry likes the media, the good press or the bad press. Sure he's he fine with all of it. But do I enjoy covering Thursday games? Absolutely not. Do I enjoy affecting my family's ability to eat late or eat early right. because I've got to go to the yeah. game? I absolutely don't. I want to put on 
same thing I had on when I went on the night before, put a robe on slightly open maybe and have everybody have to deal with the fact that I'm going to be somewhere in this general two foot area for the next nine or 10 hours. And if you bring me pie every couple of hours, that would be great. That's what I want to do on Thanksgiving. So my idea, Brady, of, of ways to prove the NFL, which is already perfect. But my, my idea though, is every year, wait until October 1st, to set the Thanksgiving games. Detroit and Dallas don't have toast every year. Yeah. Wait till October 1st, set three compelling games. Yeah. And by the way, one of them, damn it, has to be outdoors. I don't want three dome games on Thanksgiving. Give three me weather. Are you okay with that? Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. I think they've, they've sort of robbed us of Thanksgiving because we all can't wait for it. a little trip to fan right. effect and hang out. But the truth is we generally get two bad games uh, or, or more. And it, yeah. it's such a bummer. It's such a bummer. Um, and Detroit, I, I, I think that team's going to be more fun to watch this year, but Detroit right. hosting a game and Dallas hosting a game, yeah. snore. I'm kind of past it. it. And tradition, I love tradition. We're old. Tradition right. is everything. That's why I still love baseball, because of tradition. But the truth is, sometimes tradition is just old and outdated, and we need to do something different. One or two players that we've talked about or that we haven't talked about that you're going to tell them, if you get this guy for value, you may be happy. Okay, Burks in Tennessee, I think that he is going to be Traylon a great Burks. talent. Yeah, I think Traylon Burks is going to be a great talent there. I think he will be the best receiver among all the rookies this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love him quite a bit. Okay. I, I talked about Winston, so I'm not going to mention him again. But if you can grab – I like Jamal Williams in Detroit. I think he is going to be good also. Uh, DeAndre Swift will absolutely get the lion's share of the carries and touches. But Williams will get his, much like Nike Himes will in Indianapolis. There you go. And Williams, by the way, for that insider thing, is absolutely beloved – in that city and in that locker room. And so those guys do get a couple extra bones thrown their way. Those guys do get, you know, two yard touchdown plunges when Swift got them all the way down the field. That stuff does matter. So Steel Hopkins. Steel hmm. DeAndre Hopkins. Absolutely. Steel DeAndre Hopkins. Michael Gallup has very quietly gotten ready and will probably play in week three. If there is a year for Michael Gallup to break out in Dallas, this is it. CD is going to get all the balls, and damn well everybody knows it. The tight end Schultz is going to get another 82 catches, and everybody damn well knows it. And Michael Gallup is a damn beast running down the football field. And Dak Prescott hates throwing 50-50 balls. He hates throwing people open. But the one person he trusts to say, you know what, man-to-man, that big fucker is not going to let this ball get intercepted. I'm throwing the ball to Gallup. I think that this is a breakout season for Gallup, and from what I understand, it'll be week three against the Giants, and he will be on the football field. And if you're a little down on the Cowboys' offense and offensive line and whatever else, Gallup could be a guy, and you and I both agree, I I really am very pleased about the Saints quarterback. I think Jameis Winston's mindset is absolutely perfect uh, to be better than everybody thinks. The defense gives it to them in better spots. The offense can run the football, and he's got four or five weapons that people don't think that much about. You've given up on Michael Thomas, and I understand that. I'm probably not drafting him either, but what if? Marquez Callaway can play. Kamara ain't going to jail this year. It might be next year, but Kamara is alive. Kamara coming off kind of a down season where they didn't throw him the ball as much. He's juiced. I think New Orleans is is a scary team, and I think Winston's a pick. I really do. Jeff, I had a great time. Uh, We will be back with everybody on Tuesday nights or our night, right? You'll be able to evergreen this and watch these whenever you want to, but Tuesday nights are when we will release these shows, and you can win in rounds 8 through 13, but what you have to do to really win is you have to be able to manage your drop ads uh, and and your 
what sorry, what do they call it? Um, your waivers, your uh, trades, your, all yes, that your, stuff. Your yes, your waiver whilst week to week, the teams who win are the teams who are looking ahead. I don't even know who that guy is, but now he's moved up to number two on a running team. If you've got people just sitting around, get that damn guy. You gotta be first because having to spend 80 of your hundred dollars on a guy that you think might be the running back for two weeks is going to be a problem. We will help you through that weekend and week out. Right. All right, Brady. We'll talk soon. Thanks brother. Good. It's Tito. It's Tinker. Thanks for watching fantasy football now presented by best bet us. Let's get it right. Bet us bet us with the three decade leader bet us now for 125% bonus using promo code DSP 125 or 200% bonus with crypto using promo code DSP 200 and bet sports, casino, horses, pop culture. Why not? And more at BetUS.com. You bet, you win, you get paid. You watch this show, you're going to have a fun fantasy football season. For Tito, I'm Tinker. Thanks for joining.